The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother. And treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat. Coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Remembrancers Retreat, a Warhammer 30k Horse Heresy and Specialist Games podcast. I'm here today with Will and Jason for a brand new exciting segment, which they have decided to call Crusade and Conquer. Oh, it's a playoff of uh, Command and Conquer, guys. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool. It sounded good when we decided five minutes ago to use it. I still think it, it does. It. Yeah, it still I still think good. it does. It still plays off really well. So, that being said, what is Crusade and Conquer? What is this segment? So, this segment is going to be a crusade um, kind of narrative. Uh, not so much battle reports. I mean, you'll, you'll get some insight into the battles as they happen, but the way we're going to present them is more of like a, um, like a story. We want to use... Uh, so let's back up, actually. What is the Crusade system? Well, it started off in 40K with 9th edition, and uh, our friends over at Oz30K, Andrew Hollis, um, he came up with the uh, Great Crusade campaign system. And that is a twist on the uh, Crusade system from 9th edition spun into 30K. Um so we've got the core rules for the campaign system, and then we'll also be using the Crusade uh, Bareth. I don't bat, Batreth. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. I'm probably butchering it. Um, I have it right here, uh, Barteth. I think it's Barteth. Okay. There. Yeah. Uh, so the Crusade Barteth uh, supplement, and that's gonna in, like add a whole bunch more features to it. But the main point of this segment or or short run series or whatever we're gonna call it. Uh, is going to be to showcase this new system that I think is going to bring a lot of deep narrative play to games, and we're hoping you guys can get to experience it proxy through us, um, and then you know give it a shot yourself if you like the way it sounds from us. Yeah, definitely. So I know Will, you and Jason have uh, started off about a week or two ago, uh, giving it a shot with your first game. Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me, that was a little bit of a test game where we um, kind of went over, we built lists um, using the rules that are uh, within the Crusade system, uh, and then we did a, a, a playthrough of a game, which we'll talk about because it was a very fun game, uh, and there were elements of the, the Crusade that happened along the way. Mm -hmm. um, and then we did the experience and the leveling up um, and then the, the death rolls and all that stuff to see how our units would have progressed. Um, but then we found out uh, the Barteth uh, supplement existed. So we want to do it right. If we're going to showcase this, we want to showcase everything Andrew has put forth so far, which is why we're going to actually kick it off with uh, Barteth uh, cool. and not our own custom sort of narrative that we were kind of coming up with a little bit um, on the spot. Uh, we had some kind of like guidelines on how we wanted it to go, but really it was just going to be on the spot. Barteth has so much stuff into it that it would be a shame not to use it. You know what I mean? Sure. So for people who do not know exactly even what crusade mode is, 
Let's talk about that. So from what I've seen, because I'm still fairly new to it as well, and I think uh, Kara and I might actually get into it here pretty soon as, uh, also, that uh, Crusade Army looks like a, basically a in a sort of way, almost like a role-playing aspect to army building. I, I would definitely say that. After every game session, you are going to do sort of the thing of, of what you would do during like a long rest uh, of a D and D campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Where you'll like refit and refuel and regear, and uh, you'll go ahead and you'll level up if any experience points was allotted, or you'll take battle scars if any you know permanent damage was added. Mm-hmm. Um, but every unit in your army is comprised uh, as a part of this role playing experience. So you you become uh, a little bit more emotionally attached to your units. It's not just, hey, this is a squad of breachers I have. Like, no, this is squad dynasties who is uh, veteran breachers from this battle. These are all the battles they've taken part in. These are all the the, the honor marks they've gotten. This is the battle scars they've suffered. Uh, it, it gets more in-depth and kind of personalizes your army in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. Um so I know, Will, you are playing Mechanicum, I think? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, um, I am using my Mechanicum uh, with uh, 2020 being what it was, a uh, hard year for everybody. We here at the Remembrance Retreat know that it's a, it's been a hard year for everybody, and not everybody's gotten games in, which is another reason why we're doing this. So you can play games proxy through us if you're not able to. Um, but I haven't got to play the Mechanicum, really, at all during last year. Sure. Um, I was talking to Jason, and the, the last game I played was with you, which was like around New Year's, like a week after New Year's or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. You right. Know? That was a long time ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's definitely been a while. It was when the Sabres came out, I remember, whenever that was. Yeah, so, I got to take him out for a little tour. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I've, I, I've painted up all these guys right before uh, the lockdown, and I really haven't been able to play with them. So I chose uh, the Mechanicum. Very cool. And what are you playing, Jason? So, uh, I am playing my brand new, never seen the board before, Alpha Legion. They were uh, a little bit of a vanity project I started out just because, ironically, I'm not a fan, typically, of that metallic teal scheme that -hmm. you see a lot with the Alpha Legion. And I've seen people do it spectacularly, just like absolutely gorgeously. But uh, in the same way, I'm not a huge fan of the metallic red uh, Thousand Suns, like mine are a super dark, like matte wine red. I wanted to see if I could do something a little different, a little darker, a little bluer. Mm -hmm. And I figured out that a lot of people that like alternative Alpha Legion schemes uh, like to do like an Afrit stealth squad, which was like, you know, Omegon's half. Yeah. So I essentially started these guys out just to see if I could make this darker blue color scheme work. And I realized that once I did a whole bunch of models that were like dark blue and steel trim and black, that they weren't super interesting to look at. Mm Mm-hmm. So then I was like, all right, what's the brightest, most neon ass color I can use here (laughs) to like bring some interest back in? And my first thought was pink and that's a little too far even for me. So I settled (laughs) on like this uh, fluorescent lime green. Yeah. 
which is, you know, absolutely the wrong direction to go for a stealth squad, but it looks pretty striking next to like this dark uh, blue and black that most of the my uh, dudes are. Yeah. And I think we have a few of the pictures of your army on our Instagram at remembrancers underscore retreat. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, they got awesome little uh, like crystals on their bases and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And their weapons. And I mean, the, the green really does add a bit of something to it. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. I try. It looks really good for all like those toxic, like rad weapons. I tried to work into yeah, the yeah, Talus force. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about army composition. Like what points are you guys playing at right now? Okay. So initially Andrews has in his rule, a good starting point system of 500. However, Jason and I both sat down and we couldn't write lists that, that had, the 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 staple characters and mm-hmm. that, that we want right like so i have an arl attacks named zero um and zero has been in the army since he was a member of the iron hands right he was a my first mechanicum model ever mm-hmm. um and zero's an awesome little arl attacks and i love him to death and i wanted him in here but it was hard to fit him uh an hq and a troop into 500 points so you know talked yeah. with jason and we were able to we, we agreed that a thousand points to start uh, was going to be our starting point. Yeah, and plus, you know, you guys are, you know, seasoned heresy players, so you know, a yeah. thousand points now, wasn't going to bog you down per se. Right, and you know, it's already painted stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it now if you're doing a slow grow, I definitely think 500 points is a perfect place to start. Uh, it's definitely great to get you a, a good HQ, a troop, and maybe another special unit. You can definitely do that. You know, mm-hmm. get yourself a little elite or heavy support. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you'll when you assemble a crusade force, uh, you will have um, everything written down on crusade cards, uh, and these crusade cards are kind of, um, I guess. If again, we're going to reference D and D a lot probably during this because it's a great analog. Uh, it's basically your character cards, right? That is uh, where you write down all the information about the squad or the hero or the vehicle or whatever it is. Uh, and you put that onto two different cards. You have your first one, which is your order of battle. That is your entire crusade army right there is on your order of battle. Um, your order of battle is your master army list. So let's say you have um, 1,300 points worth of models on that crusade list. Mm-hmm. If you're playing a game of 1,000 points, you're still going to be able to draw or play a game of 1,000 points. But you have a 1,300 point pool to pull from so maybe ah, okay. one of those units is a tank and you're like well we're about to do zone mortalis so i'll leave the tank out for this battle and i'll substitute in my seeker squad instead so it's right? similar to a uh, battlefleet gothic roster yes yeah very similar in that sense i mean you know uh another great example of a great campaign system uh that lessons have been learned from those past campaign systems and brought into these new ones so mm-hmm. uh, your order of battle is your master roster uh, and then every unit gets its own crusade card. Um, this is units, everybody who is their own. So your apothecaries will have their own. Your tactical squads will have their own. Your heroes, your monster creatures, everybody's going to have their own. It doesn't go down to the individual marine in a squad, but it does go down to the squad at, at, at the squad level. Yeah, the unit. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's where you'll keep track of your experience points, your upgrades, your battle scars. Um, your relics, all, all, all that other stuff, your kill tallies, your agendas, um, and 
it's a great way to track everything because without these cards, I mean, you you just have a, a notebook you can scribble in. But uh, for me, that I I can't do that. I'm way sure. too chaotic when I scribble, <laughs> and it'll be all over the place, and I wouldn't be able to read or understand what I had written the previous month. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So. Um, and name characters and agents. Uh, they don't have to have crusade cards. Uh, okay. They can't advance. I mean, they are just who they are. Okay. Right? So again, that encourages you to build your own Praetor and, and build his legacy up. Gotcha. As opposed to taking Shadrach Medusin for his buff of, you know, raise the storm. Right. Because it's not about that. It's about your story. Exactly. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, raise the storm pales in comparison to some of the other stuff you can get in these things. I mean, mm-hmm. they are... We'll get later into the relics, but the upgrades and the relics that you can combine to make some of the craziest, insane killing units. But on the opposite side, your opponent, who's also been doing the same thing, they've also got that like crazy upgrades and that kind of stuff. So yeah. there, there is balance in that sense. Very cool. So let's talk about your armies. You say you guys got about a thousand points right now going on. Uh, Will, yeah. what's, what does your army look like? So uh, my army uh, is led by a Magos Dominus. I am running, uh, what is it, uh, Mechanicum, the, the, oh my gosh, why can't I remember? Uh, the Cyberthergy Boys, what are they? Jason, help me out here. Um, the Cybernetica. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> I play Mechanicum, guys. Trust me. I do. Okay. I just don't do it often. Um, so Legio Cybernetica, they had like a cheap HQ. Uh-huh. And then I could bring Zero. So it just buffs Zero also. Zero was the hero of the story. Well, as you'll find out in the battle report, he was supposed to be the hero of the story. He, <laughs> spoiler alert, was not the hero of the story. Um, but um, so I have a Magos Dominus, and that is Dominus Castor. Um with a K you know because it's me um, <laughs> and then we have a Castellax 1 TAC 3 which are uh, a Castellax unit of 3 uh, and their names are 1, 2, and 3 um, and then we have Thalax 32 Alpha and that is a 6 man squad of Thalax which are all basic currently mm-hmm. um, you know trying to push points and then we have um, Zero and he's in our attacks with Paragon of Metal and uh, the whip, that um, armor bane whip. Gotcha. And that's my list. Coming in around a thousand points. Yeah, I think I'm at uh, 995, maybe. I think I might have gotten like a, a pistol or something to yeah. make myself right at a thousand. Gotcha. But, yeah, the the upgrades at the beginning are very sparse because I'm just trying to put bodies in. You know what I mean? So sure. upgrades are very limited. Gotcha. Just kind of beef up the unit count. Exactly. What about you, Jason? What's what does uh, your army of Alpha Legion look like? Oh boy! All right, let's see if I can do this from memory here. <laughs> so first off, the thing I've wanted to try more than anything for a while now is a Mortifactor in ZL, and it was just as much fun as I thought it was going to be. Uh, so first off, for HQs, I've got two. Uh, I've got a Mortifactor with two Cordis Contemptor Dreadnoughts, 
both with uh, Toxiferno cannons and uh, Dreadnought close combat weapons with heavy flamers. Um, seen as how my, um, my Alpha Legion, uh, I refer to them as a heavy execution cotter. Uh, they're the guys that uh, you always think of the Alpha Legion as like these stealthy assassins, you know, like Poison Blade in the night or, you know, sniping a guy from miles away. Uh, my guys are the guys that uh, go in when a target needs to be eliminated and he's like, oh shit, the Alpha Legion are coming. Uh, I'm going to hide in the middle of this fortified bunker. Uh, my guys are the dudes that go in with uh, dreadnoughts and automata, tear that bunker open reduce that guy to a uh, mushy paste and call it job done. Oh, so like dark angels. Yeah. Like dark angels, but <laughs> they wrote the RP dark angels, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I had to do it. Oh, no worries. Uh, then, but, but it's definitely like a good polar of, um, alpha legion, right? Cause like, yeah. I mean, I, let's look at other recent spy movies that have cut like tenant, right? You mm-hmm. have the aspects of that where it's like very undercover James Bond type, and then you have the polar opposite where they're still part of Tenant, but they're like breaching doors and kicking in and using missile launchers and shit like that. You know, sometimes you got to do these hard mm-hmm. knocks, which is exactly what I think your guys do perfectly. Thank you. I try. And then the men in black come in with a neuralizer, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is apropos. Yep. But yeah, back so, to your army. <laughs> right. No worries. So then I've got a. Uh, librarian his name's Sul Shen and he has let's see he's a level two biomancer mm. uh anybody in our general gaming group know I am a sucker for a librarian uh, I know the internet wisdom at large is a uh, single librarian's useless because you only get two power dice which is two plus d6 more power dice than your opponent's going to get uh, so they can actually get some pretty good work done. I'm a very big fan of them so far. Uh, so that's why I've worked one into both uh, this list and the one I'm putting together for my Trader White Scars. Gotcha. Now, okay, with the Librarian, do you have another mm-hmm. HQ of that? or? Yeah, the Mortifactor. Oh, the Mortifactor. Uh, yep. So, uh, so who's your more like leader of the group? Oh, the Mortifactor, okay. most definitely. The librarian is a hilarious little weasel, and <laughs> he is just exemplified that in the game Will and I had. Yeah, he was wild. It it worked like I lost so hard, and I have never had so much fun doing it. It was great. <laughs> uh, so then uh, moving on for troops, we've got a 10-man breacher, sar- um, breacher marine squad, and they're... Uh, they're pretty low geared. Uh, they just have a Vexilla and a Sergeant with a power weapon, an artificer armor, and a breaching charge. And I love this guy so much because I've only used him a few times. And every single time so far, he has missed with the breaching charge and dropped it square at his feet, killed everyone around him, and yet miraculously survived. It's terrific. <laughs> Uh, Then we've got a single apothecary to go in with those breachers. And then we've got five seekers in fast attack. And that rounds me off for, I think, right about the same. I think I'm right at 1,000. So So are you um, sticking to a single right of war or are you flexing depending on uh, the scenario? I think I'm going to try really hard to bend and to to bring more flexibility. 
Yeah, I'm thinking of dropping Cybernetica personally. Like, I, I understand for this smaller games, he's a cheap HQ. Um, but I don't, I, I don't like ro- big robots. You know, I love the Thalax. I have so many Thalax. So I, I might, once we start going and kind of... But then again, I think that goes against the narrative if he's my hero. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to decide that, you know? I, mean, I might big want robots, to. Big robots are never bad to have. It's true. Especially when they got the upgrade that I got at the end. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, wild stuff. So, um, going in, so starting with a Crusade game, there are no Crusade power-ups at the start, right? Okay, so yes, let's, let's continue on then. So, once you've written your list and you have your order of battle assembled and all your Crusade cards going on, you then look at currencies that are in the game. So, you have your points, but the main currency you'll be spending throughout it is requisition. Um, and you'll start off the crusade with five requisition. Okay. Um, requisition allows you to do all kinds of things. Um, you can field promote somebody, take them from a lieutenant to a praetor. Uh, you can increase your supply limit, so your What's list a isn't. Uh, I'm so, oh Jesus, guys, a centurion. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my God! Please do not. <laughs> What kind of podcast do you think this is, sir? I don't know. All right, I'm leaving. Sir, this is not an Applebee's. I will go to Dagobah and isolate myself there. Um, You can increase your supply limit. So if you want to, you know, bump up and have like uh, an auxiliary unit of Thalax on hand, you can add 200 points. And every 100 points you add to your battle roster is going to cost you one RP. Um, You can do fresh recruits, which let's say you have a 10-man squad. You can bump them up to a 20-man squad. Um, You can do psychic meditation, where you can relearn your powers. Uh, You can do rearm and assemblies, which is where you'll kind of be taken... You'll you'll refit. Um, So, if you're out of battle, that kind of stuff. Uh, Or, I'm sorry, that's repair and recuperate, is is the remove battle scars. Uh, Rearm and resupply is to change your unit's war gear. Um, And then... Your warlord traits are going to cost one RP, so you don't automatically get a warlord trait. Okay, you'll have to spend one RP for it. And remember, you start with five, so generally, um, you'll you'll use just one RP at the beginning, which is to buy a warlord trait. Um, and then after that, you, you kind of then start spending them as games go on. Um, you earn one RP at the end of every game. Um, and I can't remember off the top of my head if you earn an, I don't think you earn an additional one if you win. Maybe you do, but I I don't think you do. I had to have to grow back over and look at that, but you definitely get one for each battle you've completed. Okay. And looking at this, it looks like you never have more than five uh, requisition points at any time. So So that's another reason why you want to buy that first warlord trait in your first game or before your first game. That way, when you play that first game, you don't automatically waste your first RP. Gotcha, right. gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then you get into the battles itself. So when you, you form your army, right? So you have your your battle roster of however many points. Uh-huh. And then from that, you can select your game sizes. So we can play, like if we have a thousand points, we can play any game size within that thousand points, but we can't exceed that. Um, and if your battle roster, as I said about, uh, earlier is above that then you um 
you can't play more than what you've agreed on. So even though your battle roster might have 1,300 points, you can only play 1,000, whatever you agree on. Gotcha. Um, now, if at any point your Crusade Force has more experience than another Crusade Force, uh, you, uh, we'll get into Crusade points in a second. Um, but every advancement that your guys get, they add one onto their Crusade point cost. Uh, and what that does, it's it's a balancing feature. So if I have a Crusade Force that is 50 points, um, and then Jason has a Crusade Force of 51 then I will get one free crusade dice, and that can be used to re-roll to hit, to wound, an armor cover save, or to re-roll an armor cover save, or even invul save, uh, re-roll a charge, or leadership test. It's just a free dice huh. that you can re-roll once per game per dice. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Save it pretty handy for your warlord, I guess. Um, or really you anything. Have but yeah, agendas. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, your agendas are your kind of extra little bits that you'll choose um and it's one agenda per 750 points or part thereof so if you're doing a thousand points you're going to get two agendas to choose uh you choose these agendas and these agendas will offer you special bonuses or um experience if you complete them so they're they're your secondary objectives pretty much gotcha um and you know winning a game grants you extra experience um what is it? Hold on. Yeah, additional uh, experience, free upgrades, bonus resources, that sort of thing. Okay. it's uh, It feels very similar to... Um, oh, what was it called for the independent characters in 30K? Um, oh, um, they, they had their own... Um, not Blood in the Void. Um, it was right after the, the Blood in the Void section, though, yeah, of that book. I keep... <laughs> I forget what it's but called. It, but it was the same thing where you would roll a table and you would add plus one to your toughness or strength mm-hmm. or something like that. And you would have get, requisition points to yeah. add. Yeah. Very, so it's very bad, similar. But it's for your whole army now. Gotcha. Um, and victory bonuses, uh, they're pretty nice. So if you do win, you do get two requisition points, like I thought, instead of just the one. Uh, okay. If you're victorious, you can select two units to be marked for greatness instead of just one. We'll get down to marked for greatness later. Um you can upgrade a battle trait, uh, all sorts of things. There's there's like six different ones, and you can select one of the six. Gotcha. Um, and then you'll do your battle. You'll mark down everything, remember everything that happens, remember your agendas, uh, remember the battle experience that you have. Uh, and then you do your post-battle sequence. And the first part of the post-battle sequence is taken out of action. I'm now, was, units that sorry. were... Victory is vengeance. Victory is vengeance. That's what ah, it was. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. Excellent. That's I'm sorry. what it was. Continue. Continue. Um, so out of action. If a unit is completely destroyed, you'll roll a d6. On a one, you'll pick one of the two. It'll either be a devastating blow or a battle scar. And to note, no unit is ever permanently taken out of the fight uh, from your battle roster. A devastating blow, you just lose D6 experience points. You cannot gain any experience points of any source, uh, including agendas you might have achieved even, or battle experience, or you can't be marked for greatness because you were you were laid low that fight. So, you, I mean, how would you be marked for greatness if... Yeah. <laughs> you were uh, on or, the ground for half of that. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> or, this is a nice one. 
are battle scars. Rather than take the hit on experience, you can take a battle scar, which will be a detriment to the unit that'll last forever. Oh, forever? You randomly determine which one it is, but, you know, you don't lose experience. So that, that's a trade-off, right? Gotcha, gotcha. Some of these can be kind of rough, like losing a one inch on movement. Yeah. Including um, run and charge rolls. Wow. And to note, you can't have more than six battle scars. Um, I mean, if you've got a unit that has died six times, like completely been wiped out, it might be time to sub him in with somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. If zero continues to fucking stumble in doorways, I mean, or, I'm going to get somebody else. <laughs> like I said, or choose a, you know, not gain any experience. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, if you're trying to shoot for that real nice, uh, extra bonuses you get, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like, screw it. I'll, you know, I'll roll a D six and take what comes my way. Um, Some and then you have, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. You have uh, battle honors, which are given to units who gain experience points. And every time you gain a battle honor, you increase your crusade point. As I mentioned earlier, uh, you, every unit has a crusade point cost. You'll increase that unit's crusade point by one. So you can get battle traits, uh, which are like new skills and abilities. You can get psychic fortitude, which are boosts to the unit's psychic might. So Thousand okay. Sons, Jason's Librarian. Uh, or you can do the simple tried and true and tested is weapon enhancements. Those are always great to upgrade war gear. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, this sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, experience points. You'll earn them through battle experience. So every time a unit participates, you're going to get one experience. Uh, if a unit is marked for greatness, it'll gain three experience. If it's a death dealer, you'll gain one experience for every third enemy unit that has been destroyed. So if you have a... Mm. And this is cumulative, not just for that game. Oh, for the track whole of campaign. all their kills, right? Oh, cool. <laughs> so every three units it kills, it gets another experience point. Uh, and then you have your agenda achieved. If you complete your agenda, you get the experience points listed on the agenda. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, and after that, we then go to our experience points. You have zero to five is battle ready. And that is zero battle honors. You, you're mm-hmm. still basic. You're still learning. 6 to 15 is bloodied. That's one battle honor. 16 to 30 is battle honored, and that's two battle honors. 31 to 50 is heroic. 51 or above is legendary, and that's four battle honors. Uh, heroic is three battle honors, by the way. Okay. Wow. So the experience points, the fact that they'll carry over and things like death dealers where you keep track of, of kills and that kind of stuff are very important, which, again, all goes on your crusade cards. Gotcha. Yeah, when, when you got like what, 51 experience points to go to legendary, like you, you can take these armies for the long haul. Absolutely. Um, my one, one of my units earned 10 uh, experience points in one game. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, they achieved both of the agendas. Uh, well, well, they, well, well, spoilers. spoilers. They got, we'll okay, we'll right. they, they got death dealers I and they were marked for greatness. I mean, <laughs> you can get a lot of experience points at once. Gotcha. Very um, cool. So Crusade Appendix, this kind of stuff, just kind of go. So there is an appendix in, in the book here, and that's like more drilled down rules. That talks yeah. about attached units, how apothecaries may attach to a unit permanently for the game, but they still need their own card. They're still going to level up on their own. Okay. Uh, combined units 
So at 500 points, you can kind of play um, Vengeance is Victory or, or whatever that is. Victory is Vengeance. Right, where it's kind of like a kill team sort of. Uh-huh. And you can do mixed units. So combined oh, wow. units talks about in that event, when you do a combined unit, it has rules for that. Uh, there are faction-specific honors, relics, scars, and traits, uh, which, again, that is shown in uh, Barteth. Uh, you have reinforcements. So sometimes, let's say, uh, I have 1,500 points in my order of battle. Jason only still has 1,000, but we really want to play a 1,500-point game. He can take 500 units as a reinforcement, and this will count as your, uh, uh, what is it, your um, ally detachment for Crusade Force. I gotcha, gotcha. And they don't earn experience. They're just there for the battle to help, and then they leave. Neat. Um, split units. So, like, uh, let's say, what is it? The Dreadnought Talons, right? Uh-huh. They'll deploy as one unit, but then they act independently. Rather than writing those all down together as one, they'll each get to upgrade on their own. So, they each get their uh, own card. Okay, okay. It's like uh, squadrons, then, basically. Well, no, because squadrons are um, all one unit. They can't that's separate. That's true. You're right, you're right. Like, a squadron of tanks can't separate, but a squadron of, uh, or a Talon... Of Dreadnoughts can. Yeah. Uh, summon units, things like demons, they they don't upgrade. Okay. Makes sense. Um, and then we have agendas. And these are these are pretty cool. I won't break down into, into each of them, but you have Battlefield Supremacy. These ones talk about um, holding objectives or surviving a battle or breaking the enemy's lines. That sort of thing. Uh, no mercy, no respite. These are ones where you're, like, really trying to fucking kill somebody. <laughs> uh, like hordes, sure. for example. Here's one that I will go into. Call the hordes. Um, keep a tally f- of your army. Add one unit to call the hordes for each time you destroy six or more models in the same phase. So against militia, you may choose the agenda of call the hordes, where you're just killing fucking mortals and getting ex- racking up experience points for doing that. You know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, purge the enemy is the next one, and that's uh, like headhunting, where you're where you're going mm-hmm. after specific targets. Gotcha. Um, killing HQs or monstrous creatures or specific tanks and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then we go into shadow operations is the next one. I haven't delved too deep into that personally. I don't know, Jason. Have you have you looked at them much? A little bit, but yeah. Admittedly, not a whole bunch. Uh, comparatively, those are the ones that are a lot more objective-based, right? Yeah, like, more like table control versus... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have that. Um, I'm sorry I can't go too much into that. I haven't really looked over it too much. I know that's faux pas on my part. Um, but it'll be things uh, against psychers, or uh, you can like deploy Vox relays or, or search for Archaeotech. So sometimes you'll need uh, to find relics, right? And you can do the action of a search for an Archaeotech, which is you'll get experience points and uh, Archaeotech that way. So those, those are other things that you need to keep track of. Um, and then we move on to the good part, in my opinion. <laughs> this is when like, all the narrative stuff starts happening. These are like the battle scars and the battle honors you can get. Gotcha. Um, so... Every type, independent characters, monstrous creatures, uh, vehicles, and then all your other infantry unit types or bikes and that kind of stuff, they've all got a D6 effect. And 
Jason and I agreed to roll for these. Keep the... I mean, I think most of the time, narratively, people want to kind of pick them. But I like the idea of, of the, the randomness to it. Oh, right? yeah, I would say for sure. Random um, rolling. <laughs> because, hey, you might get something great. Um, or especially if you're rolling for a battle scar, that definitely should be random, I think. You know, yes, I, I don't definitely. think you would want to pick like the, oh, well, this leader or, or this guy already has high leadership. So I'm just going to choose the loss of leadership because it won't really affect him too much. Right. Like, no, nah, roll that shit, man. Yep, yep. <laughs> I always think it's better to roll because you're not building an army to make it effective you're not creating an army you're finding out who your army is oh that's like, beautiful dude yeah, i like that that is yeah that's mm-hmm. why i really liked the old school warhammer fantasy rpg because you had to roll for absolutely everything like from your <laughs> stats down to like whether you had like a lazy eye and a bad smell or not. Oh and my it gave God. this terrific feeling of you weren't building a character, you were figuring out what sorry sack of crap in Warhammer Old World you were going to play. Like you were just like picking a dude at random out of like the hundreds of thousands of citizens, like that's the dude that gets, you know, that you get to play with. You're not yeah. making one from scratch. You're finding out who he is. That's excellent. Yeah, that's a great breakdown, man. Um, and the thing, it carries over to battle traits too, right? That is also a D6 system because, again, as Jason said, we're finding out who this person is or who these units are. Um, and, again, they break down into the four independent characters, monstrous creatures. Uh, independent characters, when I say that, it also includes your characters, Apothecaries and stuff like that. Um, your monstrous creatures, gargantric creatures, your vehicles, and your all other units. And this is like some good stuff, right? So like you gain Crusader or Fearless or Counterattack or, or Feel No Pain or a plus one to your Feel No Pain. Um, you know, it's, it basically will give you um, additional special rules onto the unit. Um, some really good ones, I think. What is it? Uh yeah, the thickened hide for monstrous creatures. The gaining the plus one to any feel no pain, it, or six if you don't have one. That's that's awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, zero has a feel no pain, so if I could get him a plus one, always, that'd be cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and then you have psychic fortitude, and these Ooh. are where you can. Ooh boost your fucking psychers all right so it's a d3 you know, you talk about too. like one single psyker jason talked about like how people are like no just one psyker he's only got the the two warp charges well bam dude psychic might will give you plus one warp charge bam right there uh adamantium will uh and master of lore so the psychic generates an additional psychic power and that's not to mention then you can give him weapon enhancements to make him an even better psyker when he does finally get into melee so weapon enhancements, uh, super heavy and gargantric creatures, they'll roll a 1d3. Okay, so real quick, weapon enhancements break down to ranged weapons and melee weapons. Okay. Obviously, the two types follow, we have. Follow. Uh, so super heavies and gargantuans get 1d3. Monsters or vehicles uh, will get 1d6. Characters roll both 1d3 and 1d6. Everybody else just rolls... and. and Keep in mind, characters get both of those. So a D3 and a D6, they get both. Oh, okay. And uh, everybody else just gets a single D6. 
Gotcha. And this is stuff like um, Mastercrafted, improved AP, uh, plus one strength, plus one ballistic skill, twin link. Yes, sir. Ooh, Thank you. A fucking 10 man squad of Volkites getting twin linked. Yes, sir. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> uh, melee weapons, same thing. Mastercrafted, improved armor value, strength, weapon skill, poison, uh, shred, and duelist. Oh, actually, shit, I didn't see this one. Duelist weapon. The weapon gains the duelist edge special rule. And we all know that from the um, little saber you can take. Yeah, that's the plus one initiative when you're attacking with that? I think it... Is that the one that uh, is plus one initiative, or is it plus one initiative and rend? Hey, it's plus one initiative and a challenge. Okay. So, oh, I guess it's just the saber itself that has the chance to rend. Is that it? It's not part of duelist edge. yeah. Charnable saber? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I play this game, guys. I swear, just to, not <laughs> not often. Okay. <laughs> it's it's been a while. Yeah. Um, and then we go into Crusade artifacts, and this is where some stuff starts out pretty pretty normal. You know, psi uh, resonators, lances, range viewers, uh, lucidity injectors. Conversion fields. Psyarkana stuff. That's when you start to see the stuff, yes. Yeah. Uh, and these are your recovered artifacts. So characters ranked up, up, now keep in mind characters ranked up above battle ready may claim a recovered artifact, and that's one of these initial ones. And you have mysterious artifacts. And these are heroic rank, may claim mysterious artifacts. Then we get into uh, like Dark Age Displacer Belt. Uh, Frenzon injectors, warp shunt fields, nanite blasters. Oh, yeah, the nanite <laughs> blaster. Good old times. <laughs> um, and then you have your legendaries. And, of course, characters rank got to be legendaries. And for every legendary artifact, you're going to add two to their uh, crusade point costs. And you also have to pay a requisition to take a legendary. But that's where you're going to find things like the Divining Blade. Um phase walker that sort of thing the really high-end relics um are going to come from here um and then you go into armory relics and these are artificer upgrades so again one as we mentioned earlier you 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 can do actions to find this sort of stuff and these uh, uh artificer upgrades are upgrades that add a permanent boost to your individual um let's so let's see uh, uh the first one here is bionics Artisan Bionics, so given to a character who has suffered battle scars, uh, and then, what is it? Reduce wounds to zero, immediately roll on the battle scar table, uh, corresponding location, replace the with the Bionic. The character regains a single wound and is not removed. So yeah, little things like that, right? Laurels of Victory, Mastercrafted Armor. Uh, and then we have Relics of Antiquity, uh, which are characters of heroic rank, uh, and oh, then they okay. add one to their crusade. So that's really like all the narrative stuff, all, all the, the, the advancement stuff. Yeah. And this is just the base. Yeah. Now, I haven't had a chance to really dig into uh, the stealing of uh, Bartrick. Barteth. Barteth yet. Um, but there's even more stuff. And that's when he introduces agents. So you can take like Necromunda Gangers as agents for your army, which is awesome. <laughs> right. So I know we're running a little bit long here, guys, 
So we're going to save the story of the game for another time. But uh, instead of leaving right now, I'm going to uh, play an interview I had with Colin from Cold Open Stories, which, if you haven't heard, is a fan-based uh, audio drama slash fan fiction uh, group that is focused on Warhammer 40K and all sorts of other Warhammer uh, stuff. They also do a little bit of heresy on the side, too, which is really cool. Uh, I had a pleasure of talking with him uh, last week, and so here is the interview. Hope you enjoy. I fire off the hip and dodge back behind the ship's hull. Push the Katari, I weep in the way and take the blast to the chest. They move like puppets on strings. Only way to stop them, kill the puppet master. We exchange shots. Another torrent of snow blasts our field of fire, and I begin racing wide, heading for my dropship. I'm a few meters from the open bulkhead when... I fold over, start convulsing as the world is kicked out from under me. Pain is racing through my abdomen, I look down. The snow is stained red. And... Then my right leg isn't where it's supposed to be. The woman bends down to me while I'm spasming in pain. She plucks the antique pistol from the snow and places her metal finger on my forehead. You bitch! You are now my property. Hey, everybody. I'm here today with Colin from Cold Open Stories. Hey, how's it going? Doing pretty well, Colin. Um, so uh, I came across you guys maybe roughly about uh, eight or nine months ago. I can't quite remember. But uh, I found that you guys do a Warhammer uh, fan audio dramas. Is that correct? Yeah, we do. I mean, heaven forbid you get the wrong Colin on the show. You're like, oh, no, we actually don't. Uh, no, we do. We do. Um, so we've been doing this for just about two years now. And uh, so Cold Open Stories is actually a, a, a creative, uh, I'll say a, a conclave of different creators who've come together to expand and uh, tell stories that maybe otherwise would not have had the opportunity in a official capacity. Mm -hmm. uh, what you could think of, just a, a fancy way of saying is fan fiction, but really good. And that's kind of our, our, <laughs> our, our, our intent and our, our mission. With Cold Open Stories, we have the, the audio dramas, which are not the same as audio books, just for your listeners to understand that there is quite a difference between the two. It's, it's like a movie in your mind. Exactly. <laughs> it is a theater of the mind. It is uh, full cast recordings. We've had people who have uh, worked professionally in voice acting. We have amateur uh, and uh, emerging artists, but everywhere between, you know, someone who just picked up a microphone and has a, a love of doing fun voices to performers from Black Library, Nickelodeon. We've got a, a wonderful group of diverse actors who've uh, helped us tell these 40K stories. Excellent. And so like, I know you guys uh, focus uh, mostly on 40K. Mm -hmm. uh, so what do you have uh, recently down the line as far as uh, stories? If people have never heard of you, where should they start? Well, if, if they haven't started yet, the first thing I'd recommend is go to coldopenstories.com and go to the audio drama section. And when I say 40K, it's a bit of a misnomer. We have stories that take place from the full range of, you know, from the Horus Heresy up until after the opening of the Great Rift. Um, the, now, on the website, you'll find the audio dramas as well as short fiction and our fast fiction contests that we run as well. And a new thing that has just come out this month, which is our writing game, which I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about later. Sure. But the, uh, the audio 
audio dramas, stuff that's recently come out. We had a, uh, a series of, of uh, episodes for Ag Trill, The Counterfeit Blade, which was a Eldar story that took place during the War in Heaven. So the ancient Eldari versus the uh, Necrons. And uh, it works in a timeline that is also with the the modern day, what's happening with the the Necrons and the Eldar now. And those two stories kind of intermingle and merge because anytime you're dealing with long-lived races like that, of course, there's going to be some... Uh, you know, memory and time travel and psychic shenanigans that they're going to be getting up to. And then we have new, two new audio dramas that will be coming out in the uh, the coming weeks and months. Uh, we've got Hounds of Bedlam, which is a uh, heretic uh, or a traitor, uh, traitor guardsman story. Um, a bunch of soldiers who uh, are trying to uh, stop their uh, commanding officer, his soul, from passing over into the Immaterium. And they're on a mission to try to to stop that by any means necessary in, in true her- to, uh, heretical uh, fashion. <laughs> and then we have uh, Yesterday's News, which is a, a kind of a paranoid thriller of a person whose job is to read the the radio she's a new, uh, radio newsreader for uh, the Vox radio network effectively the, on this world and she has every reason to be happy getting this job until she starts to discover more truths about the propaganda and the conflict that she's been led to uh, to grow up under and so it's a bit of a kind of a paranoid uh, mystery uh, and that'll be coming out and that's a standalone that sounds really cool i guess one of the things that really uh, uh, grabbed my attention uh, with uh, cold open stories is on the website, just how clean and professional looking it is. Like, and just the overall look and the sound, like you guys really put a lot of effort into the content that comes out. I, I mean, I'll put it this way again, uh, fan fiction often gets a bad rap. And so when you have people who are at the top of their game creatively and we're professionals, we want to bring that same authenticity to the work mm-hmm. specifically with the audio dramas we want to sound like you're there so a lot of effort has gone into designing our own uh, our own foley sound effects the, the the full scripts are original this is not the equivalent of hopping on youtube and listening to someone read out of a codex for an hour and a half uh, i this, don't know what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> this this is definitely we're trying to fill a niche that is completely separate to that sure and with this, we're just trying to make sure that we're able to tell stories worth telling that people may not have otherwise had the opportunity for. One of the the first audio dramas we did was about a person whose whole job was a acoustic receiver, and their job is just to listen for, you know, spaceborne anomalies as a early defense system for this you know, satellite network in the Imperium. You will not get that in the big bombastic, you know, realm of, of Warhammer until recently with things like, you know, the Warhammer crime line or Warhammer mm-hmm. horror, where, you know, we've been doing this for two years. And when those releases started to come out, we, we were very excited. And we, we have a lot of our collaborators who've done writing and short stories for the site. And it's just this great, you know, s- small, but mighty, community of, of creators who are, who are doing something really unique with the, with the IP in an unofficial capacity. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Uh, roughly about how large of a group do you think you have as far as, uh, writers and artists and creators? Uh, well in, in terms of actors, I mean the last, some of the, um, auditions that we we've done will minimum bottom out at about 300 to 400, uh, voice actors who will, uh, and actresses will apply for these. The, the listening audience, I, stopped keeping track uh, admittedly at, at a certain point <laughs> with, uh, with writers. Um, 
our fiction on the site is divided in two ways. We have short fiction, which are 5,000 to 8,000 word short stories. Mm -hmm. And we also have the fast fiction contest, which is one theme, 1,000 words, one winner. And that's a bi-monthly contest. And I will say everything that gets submitted does not get published to the site. We do have a internal editorial that works to help groom the best stories or mm -hmm. to pick out the, the winners for these contests with our, our judging team. But I, just it's, it's not the, the quantity, it's the quality. I mean, we, we have, we have the quantity, but what really matters to us is saying, is this unique? Is this a, a story that would have, you know, helped thrust someone into a, a, a setting or world that they never would have expected? Were they able to build up a sense of danger, humor, and mystery quickly? I mean, the whole reason that we're called cold open stories is it's that storytelling technique which th which throws the reader directly into the action. And it's a love letter to old uh, radio dramas and um, pulp fiction that has the power to quickly throw us into a new world and encourage us to reflect reflect on, you know, how does that make me feel and the emotion and just getting wrapped up. I remember as a, as a kid, I would find these old, uh, old, <laughs> they're old now. I'm old now. Uh, but what we would find <laughs> is these, uh, you know, th they had those old Star Wars books, for example. It's like mm -hmm. the encyclopedia. Or you'd pick up a video game and there would be a, a book in the, the case and it would have these little stories and background fluff. And you're just like, you get lost to it and it becomes this whole alternate world when you're a kid. And with the, the professionalism we're trying to do, with the site design, with the audio productions and the editorial, we're trying to, to create that same sense of immersion. That's very cool. So, like you mentioned, you had short fix, uh, short fiction, uh, mm -hmm. fast fiction contests, audio dramas, and it looks like you have something new on the on the uh, site. Something about a writing game. One yes. So uh, I'm very excited about this, uh, clearly. So Inquisitor Doctrina Malum is a unofficial, immersive, collaborative fiction game set in Warhammer 40,000. Um, the best way to explain this shorthand for people who are, are uh, into sort of AARPGs, this is like the SCP Foundation 440K <laughs> is, is kind of the shorthand way of describing. Sure. There's this old ancient Terrans, uh, you know, society that helped protect humanity. Well, it's probably gone through a metamorphosis, but what we've done is kind of leverage that same, same system of, of storytelling. So when users come to the site and they register, um, they assume the identity of an agent of the Inquisition. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, they either read or write articles, which are their epistolary narratives, their firsthand accounts of different threats, or what they can do is they can go into the missions, which are these creative writing contests where there is a fully voice acted prompt from the Lord Inquisitor of that Ordo oh, wow. who <laughs> gets them to kind of uh, go on an adventure, uh, take a story, and... Uh, they'll give them a prompt to go write about something that they want them to investigate or to see or to interrogate. And uh, in a few uh, short weeks, we'll also be having uh, game prompts that you can include into your your um, well your framework when the door is open. It's safe to do so going out and, and playing games that these prompts will also have ways of playing the scenarios. And uh, we'll be looking at having a special uh, 30K related uh, scenario coming out sometime in the summer that kind of allows us to Ooh. to play with both game systems that's exciting i like the fact that uh, you can choose uh between three different ordos i guess depending on what type of nature i guess threat you're encountering 
Absolutely. So if you are, you know, if you're one of the brutal dogmatic enforcers or enforcers of the Imperium, you're probably going to feel right at home with uh, the Order Hereticus, um, the people who hunt after witches and mutants and heretics and traitors. Uh, the leader of that Ordo is uh, Onzidius Aspar, a very old, uncompromising man who <laughs> is getting up in years and realizes that, uh, you know, when he eventually passes away, because even the science of the Imperium can do so much, he realizes is that you know he's getting older he will become vulnerable the imperium will become vulnerable so some of the missions that he provides that are collaborative with the community is you know you'll receive a prompt from him everyone will submit their missions and then because the way that the you know life in 40k is where records have multiple retellings or they're fragmented or they are contrary retellings of the same thing all the entries by users will come together he will present them to the community and then the community actually votes for what they feel should be the canonized or sanctified oh. true story. From there, uh, what we do is we say, okay, that's the official line that we're going with. The character of Onzidius will then provide the next mission prompt using elements from that story to carry the narrative forward. So it is 100% a living, evolving narrative for, for both writers and soon players to immerse themselves in. It's very wild, and I'm really uh, excited to uh, check this out for sure. It's, it's it's a lot of it's a, a lot of of late hours and uh, forgetting <laughs> the faces of our family members for for days on end. But we're really <laughs> excited uh, with what we've been able to put together here. Uh, the site is full of original artwork as well from different um, members of the 40k community, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just really excited to to be bringing some some cool things together. I mean, we've only been open for uh, for a couple days really, and. Uh, taking a look at which ordos are becoming more popular than others or to seeing which ones are getting the most submissions. It's, it's, it's kind of blowing away some of our expectations oh, uh, of what we were seeing. Um, and also, you know, for, for listeners, we are having kind of a, a launch party, I guess, as it were, that for anyone who registers before February 15th will be entered into a contest to win a $100 Games Workshop virtual voucher. And if they submit an article before the same date, they are entered into another draw for another $100 Games Workshop virtual voucher. So we just want people to come in, you know, read if you're you're so inclined, if you're feeling creative or you have some lore from, you know, your own faction or your own background. There is no no locked-in timeline for this. Uh, these are Inquisitors all working across the full range of the, the Imperium, unearthing old tomes or finding new threats. There's a lot of, of room to play in the sandbox. I know a few of us here at the retreat would be more than happy to uh, register and partake in this. We've got a few people who just write paragraphs no- and novels worth of lore. So, I mean, I think that's the great thing is that, you know, and, uh, anyone who writes, you can consider yourself a writer, really. You know, you mm-hmm. put pen to paper or finger to keyboard and you you put in that act of, of creativity. There's always value in that. And whether it is working within the sphere of our, our short fiction or fast fiction contest, something that is more under the publishing arm, or whether it's something that you want to kind of dabbling, get your toes wet and, and work in these articles or missions, there is a lot of, of room to, to grow. Uh, people are able to comment and they've actually done so in character speaking to each other, which is fantastic <laughs> for immersion, I have oh, to say. Sure. Um, but we also do have our, our you know, small but mighty um, community of, of reviewers and uh, supporting editors who are on our Discord that people can drop in, say, hey, here's something that I'm writing. They get feedback because the whole purpose of all of this is 
you know, we love Warhammer, we love the setting, and we want people to be able to explore it in a different way. To say, if you're feeling an inkling creative about acting or writing, this is somewhere that you can come in and feel that, you know, you can interact with the setting in a meaningful and unique way. Very cool. So, Colin, uh, tell me about yourself. What got you into Warhammer and what got you into uh, creating cold open stories? Oh, God. Uh, well, <laughs> sorry. let me just uh, pull out this bat and hit you with this question. Right. <laughs> well, um, so when um, when I was in, oh, I, I was probably, it was like junior high or something. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, her boyfriend played Warhammer. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the local game shop. I went in there and she's like, yeah, you two would be, you know, you two should play. And so he was playing orcs and they had some space Marines that I could pick up and play. And then he absolutely just wiped the floor with me. It wasn't even a friendly <laughs> game. It was just like, so here's, here's how the rules work. And yeah. then continue to undermine every decision to kick my ass. <laughs> and that was my first introduction. As, as most uh, intro games I've seen uh, start right? out with. <laughs> oh. So fast forward then several years and uh, 8th edition has just come out. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I don't even remember how it happened, but either I was walking by the store or I saw something on like a, a, a board game forum. I don't really remember, but it was the model of uh, Belisarius Call. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is wild. <laughs> and so I went out bought it and said, this is who I am now. I will become a, a miniature painter and, and modeler and very quickly found that the, you know, it's very easy when you hop online to have these big aspirations. And then you feel very self-conscious when you see people doing incredible oh, stuff yeah. and you go, oh, you know, what about my mediocrity? <laughs> and I started thinking about that a lot and going, well, everyone has to start somewhere and no one just picks up and is a master or very few do. And I started to think about the things that, you know, I enjoyed or what I was good at. And for me, it was a little bit of writing. I, uh, I worked with a, uh, a prominent 40K podcast and coming up with some, some ideas and working with them. Mm-hmm. And after uh, several months of that, I th- it was kind of, it was just nagging at me of like, I want to do something really creative, not just a, you know, a, a, a review of one thing or talking about a rumor, you know, image that came out <laughs> for, for a while. I want to do something unique. And I had always had a love for old time radio plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go listen to some 40K like audiobooks at the time because I was thinking about things and modeling. And I listened and they just weren't doing it for me. It was very, very monodirectional. You know, it was just, it was at you. It wasn't with you. Gotcha. It didn't feel like I was part of something. And that, that just a whole confluence of, of thoughts came together. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a pilot. I'm going to just write, act, direct, do the audio, work with um, collaborators on on different things from music and voice acting and s- see what I can put together. And that led to the release of the first audio drama, which was the uh, the Echo of Satellite 66B. And I was like, that was, that was pretty fun. You know, I, I enjoyed that. That, uh, you know, some people who listened to it, they liked it. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll do another one. This time with no like, uh, hard-boiled, you know, crime noir, internal monologue. Let's just do something action. Mm. And so that became the story of March for Mars, where a group of Imperial Titans are trying to escort a low-flying convoy out of a, a desert setting as Tyranids attack. And the, uh, the, the scales of war just keep escalating and escalating and escalating. And then I said, all right, I've, I've had people's attention for 20 minutes. Let's try something longer. Let's see how long I can keep people's attention and listening to this. And that became when all lights have gone out, 
which is a Adepta Sorota story from M36. And that is when I will say that this changed. After kind of playing with these and having some fun, this is when I started to receive some heavy hitters in terms of, of voice acting talent. And that's, we, you know, put on that production, released it. It was uh, almost an hour long, well-received. And then we got two nominations at the Audioverse Awards, which are traditionally for just drama and audio fiction. Mm -hmm. um, fan fiction is not included. So ex exceptions were made to allow us in because of the caliber of the storytelling and the quality of the production design. I bet that, <laughs> you must have felt really proud with that one. I, I, I was over the moon. I, I, bet. <laughs> I, I don't actually have a, a background in, in sound and audio design. I am traditionally a director publisher. So to be doing a lot of this myself was kind of like, all right, well, let's see how this goes. Sure. And, and with that, I, I, it each led to the next creative, but what if? So after, after Lights was, okay, I did a long one. Let's try Serialized and released A Cog in Crimson, which is effectively a, a pilgrimage story of the Mechanicus um, trying to get across the Great Rift and get back to Mars. And it's very fulfilling. This was the first time actually writing about the faction that I, I play. You know, I, I finally felt confident <laughs> with the lore and the characters. I'm like, all right, let's give this a shot. Mm -hmm. And each one has just had a natural progression from there. Um, however small, however hidden is our gene stealer cult story. And I was wanting to say, well, people must be getting tired of my voice. Let me work with another collaborator. And so, you know, reached out and, and found a, an excellent uh, co-writer with Stephen Rhodes, who had worked on the, uh, the Wrath and Glory system. And we worked together on the script and released and... Amazing. Um, Egg Trill, the <laughs> Counterfeit Blade, which is our, our Eldar Necron story. Want to do something with different timelines. And each one has had just an, the next and then and then and then creative impetus to say, well, how do we do something different? How do we do something that we haven't heard or haven't done and just continue to push that, that needle forward? And it's been incredibly fulfilling. It's been a long journey. You said it was about two years? Yeah, we're we're coming up on the anniversary of, of two years here, uh, yeah, just and, in like about a month and a half. And they crank out these audio dramas. That's that's pretty impressive. I gotta well, say, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say crank well, out. <laughs> uh, they they do take a. I will freely admit that the the production of a single story, uh, hundreds of hours of work, sure. and they they do typically. You will see a gap of two to three months between each release. But we've always said, you know, if people really like it, it doesn't matter the the amount of hits that we're putting out on YouTube, you know, a video every day, a video every week. Mm -hmm. If you're making something that is art for art's sake, mm -hmm. okay, we're making art that we're, and that's what we think of it as, as art. We're trying to do something creative. Absolutely. People, people will hang around, you know, if they really like it and the quality's there, people will wait. And I don't think that we're conditioned to do that much anymore with, you know, oh, a new season of X just dropped on Netflix. Let me binge the whole thing. <laughs> and, 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 you know, let me just, I want it in my mouth. Just, right. I, I want to swallow all of this at, all at once. And we see that there's a bit of a return to, you know, some, some networks or some streaming platforms, even some authors and, and creators going, well, let me, you know, release a little bit at a time. It helps with the production flow. Mm -hmm. It also helps with keeping an audience on the hook. You can only do it for so long, mind you, with a single story, but it's just been 
the, I would say it's it's really time well spent. I've had such a great time working with uh, with everyone, and and meeting new people as well. And we've been able to get some support. People say, you know, uh, great work. How do I how do I support you? Where's your Patreon? And we go, we don't have one. Uh, what we do is we direct all attention to one of our sponsored charities that we have on the website. They're from Canada, the UK, the US, and international as well. And you know, I've gone through hard times uh, myself uh, last year. All of this almost came to an end. But with the support of this community, I was able to kind of uh, find some stability. And I really do see it myself as a way of giving back, art, you know, creatively to people who liked what myself and the volunteers and collaborators have been putting together and saying, you know, this is a thank you. This is for everyone who's enjoyed these sort of stories or wanted to hear these stories told. Thank you. I mean, the family endures, the emperor protects, you know, the stories will continue. That's very cool. I'm, me personally, I have very, very little uh, creativity in my body as of this point <laughs> in my life. So I have great respect for people like artists who like draw amazing uh, Warhammer art and people who write cool uh, lore and and what you're doing with the audio dramas, I have great respect for uh, people who can take the Warhammer universe and put their own uh, shine on it. Well, thank you. And, and I, I will freely admit, this is these. you can definitely feel that it is 40K or 30K or just Warhammer in general. You can, you can see the trappings there. But what I really enjoy is seeing how people bring their own voice into it. You know, they, mm -hmm. they bring their own style their own substance of how they're going to tell this. Like, I know I do it with my audio dramas. You know, I have a very particular way of telling stories because these are the sort of stories that I would want to read or listen to. But we also get people who've submitted in, in short fiction and you look at them and you go, that is such a, an interesting or unique take on, you know, on X. Mm -hmm. um, just to, to pull an example that got some attention recently was um, the fast fiction contests all revolve around a theme. And so most recently, the one we had was beneath the mask and it all had to do with the idea of changing identities or the physical or metaphorical masks that we wear. And there were some stories in there that really, for me, pushed the idea of what can 40 K do? Because we know that it can be war. We know it can be, a travel narrative. We know it can be a crime story. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll unabashedly say, you know, expect more romance in the future because oh, all good. of that will end <laughs> tragically, you know, because sure. it is the, is the setting. <laughs> but it, it's just so great to have a setting with Warhammer that you can have all these stories and people's takes on it and it's a sandbox that you can play in and Games Workshop has done an in impeccable job of, of just painting out the tapestry, putting all the corner pieces of the puzzle, and then people can come in and put their own. And yeah, not everything's going to be for everyone, and some pieces will work and some pieces won't, but I find far, by far and large, the stuff that we are seeing within this community that we are doing our editorial support with or, or production on, we're really pulling the best of the best to show that, you know, just because something is, is fan-made doesn't mean that it's subpar. Um, these are intimate perspectives. They are an exercise in writing with brevity, tension, technique. And you can get stories like this for conflicts 
at a grand scale with Titans, or you can get them in someone's own heart where they're concerned about, you know, a, a family member who's, you know, what's their relationship with, with the Imperium or Chaos and they're afraid of them turning because you're not stuck to an editorial mandate of I must sell X books under this <laughs> faction, which is selling these models between this quarter and this one. It's just, it allows you to be very creative with trying new things. Very cool. And, uh, for our listeners who are interested and maybe even want to try to, uh, I don't know, uh, audition or write in their own fan fiction, they can go right on the cold open stories.com. I like how you have a, you do have a, uh, guidelines for voice acting, which I've looked at before. Cause I, I've thought about it before. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've always found I, my voice acting to be a very interesting, uh, uh, career or job. It, it, it is a, it's a career. It's a job. It's a vocation. It's a calling. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do suggest everyone tries it out. We do have some stuff on there that helps people who are looking to get set up for the first time. The barrier to entry for voice acting now in terms of the technical components is as low as it's ever been. Sure. Cause so easy now tech has gotten a whole lot better. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The, I, I would say that the, the, the advice that I still give to people is that voice acting is still acting, you know, yeah. placing that emphasis on who is my character, you know, what circumstance am I in? What is my relationship to the persons or objects or the situation around me? What is my want? You know, th these sort of, um, directorship questions uh, for, for actors, you know, keep that in mind because that will come out authentically in your voice and your mannerisms, your matter of speech. Mm -hmm. And we do have some steps for building a character on the website in our voice acting section. And yeah, we put up the auditions, the, the call for submissions for our writing stories. Um, you can find all of that on coldopenstories.com. We do suggest people just, you know, pick your favorite uh, social platform and uh, follow us on there for, I will say, more routine, uh, you know, oh, shoot, it just opened. I don't want to be like the last person to submit something, you know. <laughs> it's definitely great to, to know when the opportunities arrive. So you can give yourself the most time to prepare yourself or to write what you want to write. Very cool. And uh, before we wrap it up, do you have any uh, plugs you'd like to shout out for? I mean, love the show. Uh, people should keep listening to you guys. Oh, um, I, I, I would say, you know, um, just, you know, I, I always say it at the, the end credits for shows, but spread the signal. It's, it's about if you like something, the best thing you can do for anything is just share it with people that you think would like it. You know, uh, share in the community that you want to, to be a part of and to see grow and, you know, don't be afraid of taking risks and, and trying something, whether it's voice acting or writing or, you know, just uh, following us on online and, and chatting that way. It's, we'd love to have people uh, participate in some way. Very cool. Colin, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, hopefully Thank you so much. down the line as uh, new stuff comes out, you're more than welcome to come and uh, talk about it. Grand premiere. You know, I see the, <laughs> that flashing lights uh, in the future. So thank you so much. Sure thing, Colin. And we're back and we're going to close up this episode unless you guys had anything else specific you want to talk about. No. Um, uh, in the next one, we might break down uh, the supplement and uh, maybe go over our game. Uh, 
But this was the preamble. This is probably enough to get us started. We can explain additional rules as they come up. Sure. And uh, this has actually gotten me really excited. So I'm going to have to start throwing some uh, more Dark Angels together for a, yeah, a basic definitely. game. Guys, I mean, if any of this stuff, if you like the, the narrative, if you like the RP element that we've seen in, in past Warhammer games, mm-hmm. uh, this this is definitely right up your alley. And I love the fact that Andrew Hollis came through with us in the Oz 30K you know, did the work because I know yeah. there were us in um, the the podcast. We're like, can we do this? Should we do this? But somebody already did, man. Somebody did it, <laughs> and he did it excellent. So, yeah, and, give uh, it a look. We, I guess we should plug exactly aus thirty k dot com. Aus thirty k dot com yeah. is where you can find this stuff. You uh, go there, and over on the left, it's under aus thirty k documents, and that's where you'll find the uh, the crusade rules. And Crusade cards, every, everything you need to get started there, guys. Yeah. Uh, but I highly encourage you to play along at home, you know? <laughs> play uh, along at home. Yeah. You know, get get with your friends. Do your own Crusades. We'd love to hear how your Crusades go. Um, and we hope you guys stick around and uh, like our Crusade. Definitely. And uh, before we wrap up, I want to thank all our patrons who make our show possible and uh, keep us doing this every week, or trying to do it every week. Um, starting with our Praetor tier, Alex Self, Chris Mack, Gardner.Tree of Woe, Jacob Dillon, Joe from Music City Heresy, Luke Rizzuto, Matthew Boyce, Mr. Baldwick, and Nicholas Quenga, and Sar Luther. Our Legion Centurions, Andrew N., Angry Boy, John Christensen, M. Tanzer, Queen Corswain, Scott LeMay, The Original Applesauce. And finally, our Legion Sergeants, Aaron Maynard, Duncan, Emily O'Hare, Garrett Lowe, Mr. Sear, Nick Gillen, The Zoy, and What Do I Call Myself? Guys, thank you so much for your uh, patronage. Andy. Call yourself Andy. I would go with Andy. I think the Andy's, Andy? is, Andy's a solid handle if you can get it. <laughs> it's a good, strong name, and you usually yep. gotta become first in line whenever uh, the teacher calls out. Oh, that's in line. right. Andy. Yes. First in line for the pizza party, boys. At least in the first five. You'll get there. Yeah. Pick a slices. Whether consistent nemeses with all the errands, <laughs> only ones that outrange them. <laughs> if you like our, uh, if you like our podcast, and this is the first time you've listened, welcome. Uh, please be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. You can join our Discord server with a link in the uh, social uh, shortcuts in this podcast notes. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at rr30k podcast. You can visit our website, rr30k.com. Um, uh, if you want to become one of those patrons where we can uh, joke about your username, go over to patreon.com forward slash rr30k podcast. Uh, there you'll find uh, bonus episodes, including a Necromunda miniseries that we're doing with uh, Jared, uh, Underhive Confidential. So if you're interested in Necromunda, check that out. You can also follow our Instagram at remembrancers underscore retreat. And I think that's everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that Necromunda um, series, also great for narrative. Yes, absolutely. So hopefully you find some inspiration there. We go over the, uh, basically the, the basics of Necromunda. If you've never played it before, we go through the different types of units and stuff, and uh, it's pretty insightful. And we're going to start talking uh, battle reports there pretty soon as well. And so with that, again, thanks for listening. Uh, Will, Lancaster Painting, 
No, it's Forge Breaker painting now, isn't it? Yes, Forge Breaker <laughs> painting. Yep. Uh, find me on Instagram and Facebook. There you go. I got some pretty big Necromunda stuff coming up. Oh, that's exciting. Physically big. Yeah. Ooh. All right, then. Until next time, keep those dice rolling. Catch you later. Bye, kids. Take care. Bye. Bye.